teams sit right on the baseline. The big fella from New Zealand. When we cut him off baseline, he started walking in there. Welcome on into the Baseline Podcast. Uh, another special guest today, Wellington Saints wing, Mani Mita. Mani, how are you going today? Kia ora, brother Stevie. Good, thank you. Very good. Healthy. Can't complain. That's awesome, my man. Um, I've been trying to get you on for a little while. Um, I've sort of gone um, overseas guests, New Zealand guests, um, sort of in a kind of a random order, but glad that we could connect today and and, and bring you on. Um, I, I've sort of been following your journey like over, probably over like the last six to eight months and, and seen the cool things that you've been sharing in terms of like um, your well-being and, and mental health and probably some like really good lessons like i've i've taken some good stuff out of what what you put out there but um because obviously you're a baller as well there's lots of synergies and the things that you've shared um mm. so that's that's been really cool um but we'll just start off by ripping in uh tell me about your basketball journey first my basketball journey um no i appreciate the good rap at the start too i appreciate that um so i'm, I'm 21 now i first started playing basketball my first year of high school at St. Pat's Silverstream, um, Terry Stallworth and my old man, they were my first ever coaches. So uh, I, I know a lot of people started doing hoop club when they were little <clears throat> and stuff like that. But yeah, I didn't start playing until I was 13. Um, played all throughout high school, made some, a, a few rep teams. I think I first played for my first rep team when I was year 11, so about 15, 16. And then when I was 17, my last year of high school, I went to uh, Palmerston North Boys High School, um, took my talents up there. Played for some really good coaches, Miles Pierce and Nick Horvath. Nick Horvath, like, um, he captained Duke University to a national national championship. I think he kept in the, uh, kept in the team alongside Shane Battier. So, uh, and Miles has played for um, a lot, lots of good teams. He played for the Jets. He played for the Tall Blacks too. So, um, I learned a lot up there. Eh? It was pretty good. It was it was, uh, it was it was kind of a tough decision to to go up to Palmy Boys, but it was also um, it was pretty good because. I think it helped take my game to another level and um yeah just like in wellington my basketball was all good at school but like um i wasn't i wasn't learning too much uh like not in a bad way but like i was the i was like the best player on my high school team so when i went to palmy boys there was other um players there's probably like six or seven other players that played for new zealand and stuff like that so that was pretty good um my first year at palmy boys was my last year of high school and I played for the New Zealand three on three under eighteen team. We went to the World Cup in China, came fourth that year. So that was that was really good. That was a really good experience for me. And then uh, first year out of high school, played for the Manawatu Two Jets in the NZ NBL. It was their first year back in the league for a few years. Um, so it was pretty good because they were looking for a lot of young local talent. So I got to play with probably about five of my um, Palmy boys high school teammates. So. It was pretty good. I got to get on the court all 18 games out of the season and I was only 18, I was only 18 years old. So it's pretty cool. First year out of high school and then um, second year out of high school, 2019, I played again for the Manawatu Jets, but I only played six games and then I got injured. And then, yeah, just been rehabbing, been injured uh, the last couple of years, had the whole year off last year and then majority of 2019 off and then finally back into it this year and then played five games so far for the Wellington Saints. Awesome. Awesome, bro. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, the first thing that when I when I found your Instagram, and I started checking stuff out. I realized your your 
rehab had been a real process, man, and that was probably what I admired first about what you're up to. <laughs> Cause, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, people, people probably give things away that they're passionate about, even when they put a lot of work into them when there's some real adversity. Um, mm. And like, you know, you'd be in pretty serious injuries. Um, and, but you'd obviously, you know, you'd sort of been partway up the mountaintop. You'd played for New Zealand. Um, you know, you'd played with some legitimate players and had some amazing coaches. You played in the NBL and you'd obviously got a taste for, for what that was like. So you didn't want to give it away so easy. Talk a bit about your rehab and, and how you, you kept going mentally because it's always the mental part, which is the toughest, right? Yeah, for sure. And as you talked about too, like it was kind of just an ongoing process. Like it was so long. I remember uh, when I first done my knee, so I ruptured my ACL in, uh, in training actually um, for the Jets. Damn. And I remember um, I went and got it checked out by the team physio and she didn't think it was too bad initially because there's no swelling and stuff like that. And then the next day I went in, um, went back and saw her and she confirmed like, oh, actually it's your, your ACL ruptured, like you're going to have to get surgery. And so I remember I was real curious. People were like, oh, don't look too much into it. But I was real curious to see how, how long the process was. And I, I searched it up and it was like nine to 12 months after surgery. And I'm like, whoa, that's, yeah. like, that's a while. So, um, and that's like the injuries I only ever heard like Derek Rose get and Zach Levine, Chris Stapps, yeah. Porzingis. So I was thinking, damn, like, I don't think this could happen to me. So, um, yeah, so I, uh, I waited four months to get surgery after I got injured. And then, um, uh, so that was September, 2019, I had surgery and then October, 2020 is when I got cleared to do everything. So it was about 13 months post, um, post surgery, but I was meant to do my return to sport test in August last year, but I bloody, I was cleared to do scrim, I like to scrimmage and play in like some lower, le lower, um, league games. And so I was playing in a league at Walter Nash and I rolled my ankle pretty bad. I was in a moon boot. It was my opposite leg. So then I had to delay my, my knee rehab a little bit too. So, um, but it all worked out. Like honestly, I tell this to everyone, they always ask me how, how my knee is now. Like I, I've never felt so healthy before physically. Like, um, I think I, I've shared some photos on social media about how my leg looked, um, uh, after surgery and literally there was no definition in my leg at all. So I think building it up from scratch helped a lot. And with the ACL, um, reconstruction rehab, you really can't miss any steps. Like you have to make sure you're getting, um, or like your contractions and your, and your quadricep, right. And like working on your balance and stability and like, you really can't miss any steps. So I think, uh, physically definitely the healthiest I've felt on that. A lot of it is thanks to just doing the rehab, right. And as you said too, like a lot of people can fall off and I, I nearly fell off a few times, especially at the start. I think the first six weeks I was just, it was like carrying around my leg as a dead weight. I couldn't even get into the car without like picking up my leg with my hands and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty tough. It was pretty, um, but more so mentally too, because you see, you go watch basketball and you see everyone running around and jumping and I had to learn how to bend my knee enough to uh, ride a bike again. And I couldn't jog for a while. And when I was jogging, my physio had me on like jogging like seven minutes a day. And so like I was on all these like restrictions and stuff. So, um, definitely took a toll on my mind, but now, that I'm obviously way past that process. It's, it's good to look back and I'm glad I stuck it out. Yeah, that's cool, man. Um, I think that the, I have had a few conversations and similar conversations about this on the podcast before with coaches and players. New Zealand players don't always take great care of their bodies. And, and I think that, you know, we've probably seen athletes come through, <clears throat> you know, playing New Zealand NBL or playing in high school in New Zealand that are like, freak athletes or mm. 
and that one percent of guys that could maybe even make it all the way to the NBA or whatever. Um, yeah. But we don't always take great care of our of our bodies. Um, what? How, how do you how do you stick to those type of things? Because I think it's always consistency. You know, like the best players are the ones that do the one percenters, but they do mm. those 365 days of the year. For yourself, like how do you, how did you stick to and make sure you did all the right things that you needed to do so you could get back and be better than you were before? Yeah, I think it's just a, a lot of it's to do with um, kind of just thinking about your reason why why you do it. You know, like um, during my during my rehab process, like my my parents stuck it out with me like the whole time. They're always supporting of me, so supportive of me. So during the process, if any time I felt like um, throwing in the towel or giving up, you know, I always thought like actually um, my dad took um time off work to come and sit in the hospital room while i got surgery and so yeah. would that just be like a um, disrespect to him and my mom um had just moved from up north uh, down to wellington and she took time off work to come up and spend time with me and run around after me and so i just thought if i gave it up it would be like a disservice to them so and i always think you know like um uh, I like this quote. It's like, I haven't come this far to only come this far. You know, I, I don't want it to just, I don't want that to be the end of the road. I want to keep fighting and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, as I said before, it was more so, it took a toll more so on me mentally than physically. And um, I just had to keep my mind sharp and just remind myself why, why I do it and um, remind myself of my goals and my dreams and my aspirations. So yeah, but a lot of it's to do with family, especially my parents too. I just want to, yeah. I want to do a lot of my things for them too yeah that's that's real talk like that, i think that like having that strong why um and not everyone you know has like nba players or, or could be whatever all blacks that they um people they look up to that have that really strong why but that there's no the that the thing that separates um those people from you know um the average joe who has a dream is um is a lot of them it is their why you know why are they doing mm. this thing and, and why do they have that drive um, so mm. yeah, that's, that's really cool to hear. Um, next one I'm going to rip in is, um, tell us about the Saints this year and in particular, uh, what it's been like playing Vizico. Um, for those, the, the non-New Zealand listeners that don't know, um, Zico Coronel, um, he's like the goat of <laughs> coaching in New Zealand. I feel like, yeah. um, not just for his results, but like, I feel like his intensity and the way that his passion for the game and like leaving no stone unturned, like, mm. like I feel like he's, he's a guy that I think he will eventually coach in the NBA. Um, but yeah, he, he's a guy that just does seems to, seems to be about it in terms of trying to push his teams to be really professional and be world-class. Mm. Like, tell me what your Saints experience has been like this year. Uh, and then obviously playing for Zico as well. Mm, yeah, definitely. I agree with everything you just said just then. And I saw um, I saw a post the other day about, oh, in the Basketball New Zealand uh, Facebook page, I think it was the other week someone said who were like the top three or five coaches in New Zealand. And I seen a couple people um, comment and neither of their lists had Zico in it. And I thought, <laughs> oh, like, that's crazy. Like, honestly, because I've, I've known Zico for uh, a few years, like he used to coach Rungotai College when I was at St. Pat Silverstream. And my first, I remember my first impression of Zico was, I always appreciated how he called me Rangi Mari. Like I just remember it in every yeah. like, um, like a lot of people just call me Mani, which is my nickname, which is still cool too. But 
He always like oh, pronounced it wrong. Take some points off me then. <laughs> uh, no, nah, that's good. No, nah, I appreciate money's all good with me too. But like, I just remember like, um, yeah, and, and the post game like handshakes. He always called me Dangi Madi and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, now nah, it's been really good uh, playing for the Saints and playing for Zico this year. Yeah. And honestly, like as you said about the professionalism, I think it was back in so our season didn't start till late April, and back in start of Feb we were emailed a, um, a schedule, and the schedule was like filled out with every. Um, every date and time where we need to be in this all the way up until July 23rd, which is the last day of the season. So that was even um, like a massive, uh, something new for me, like the um, Jordan Mills and all his family and like Zico and stuff, they planned out the, and all the Saints staff, they planned out our whole season all the way to the last day and like uh, really professional, like they got all the gyms booked already in advance. And uh, I just feel, I feel really looked after and I still remember my, my first time I caught up with Jamie Lee last year um, and before our Wednesday night league game at ASB and we we're just talking about the Saints and he was asking me if I wanted to play for the Saints next year and I was I remember I went home and I told my mum I just feel really like valued like yes. you know I feel really appreciated and um, yeah. I feel like they they've got like my best I think this is the way you say it, my my best interest or I've yes. got their best interest so yeah um, it's been crazy I always tell people too like Zico's like feels like the Einstein of basketball or something like yeah, super smart dude like he'll just he'll tell you what happened um on the 11th position of the Franklin game three weeks ago like <laughs> he, he, I feel like he just yeah honestly I've learned a crazy a crazy amount um uh, so far already and I feel like in my short basketball career so far I've, I've gotten by um well not just gotten by but I've made teams and stuff like that and um you know got a certain accolades a lot from effort and so I think I've I've learned a lot of, a lot this year so far about um, just being a smarter player, and I'm still learning. It's still taking a lot of adjustments. Like I've always been someone to just go out and play hard and play defense, communicate. But yeah. Zico is obviously very intelligent. He knows like the, um, a lot of analytics and the highest percentage passes and shots and stuff like that. So that's something I'm definitely learning too. And um, I know he watches a lot of Euroleague games, like the, um, in the Euroleague, the Turkish Airlines Euroleague. So a lot of his um, a lot of his learnings come from them and they're obviously very professional players in teams and stuff like that. So I think he takes away a lot, takes a lot away from them, but yeah, it's been awesome this year so far. Yeah. yeah that's cool, man. Yeah. And like, this has been the first, the first year that I've um, really tried to lock in and watch a lot more NBL games. And like, I'm not a massive X's and O's um, person, you know, I've, I've sort of got more knowledge around, you know, players and, uh, <laughs> and just a lot of, the general um basketball in new zealand so for me when i start locking in and learning a little bit more about that stuff and and i see like he's like changing up the pick and roll coverage is hard out versus different players and the, mm. the defense has been what has been impressed me watching your mm. guys games um and it's like the best the well one of the best players of the of the uh, opposition team will come in you know um and maybe they'd had like 30 points in the previous two games mm. And it seems like he's got like a different plan for all these guys. And all of a sudden the person who had 30 in the last game might have eight or 10 mm. and you know, you've got different guys that are, that are locking other dudes down. And he just always seems to have like a plan um, yeah. from, what I, from what I can see. Um, and yeah, I mean, you guys are like six and O now, right? Yeah. Six and O so far. Yeah. But yeah. no, it's definitely right. And like, especially with like scouting reports, um, who have everyone's like stats and stuff like that from uh, previous leagues and stuff like that. So yeah, it makes the like players jobs easier 
um, I guess having all that prior knowledge before the games, like especially and yeah, as you said too, there's a lot of um, game plans around certain players and like um, matchups and stuff like that. So yeah, everything's like it, it's all there. Like all the um, he kind of just lays out all the all the knowledge and of opposition, and we just have to execute. But yeah, like the um, I always say. Like, as players, we obviously have to do our hard work, like, in the gym and stuff like that and take care of our mind, too. But I always say that um, our coaching staff, too, they also put in a lot of work to make sure we're prepared. And, and like, um, you see Zico uh, at training. He has, like, the, the team practice plan, like, all printed out. And then he's got a um, practice plan for all of the assistant coaches and managers and helpers and stuff like that, too. So I just uh, everything feels pretty well prepared. Yeah. Yeah, and that organ that organization is is so key. I feel like as we as a basketball country, if we want to go to the next level, then we need to try and have that that level of professionalism, you know. And mm. it's it's awesome to see, you know, like chat to yourself, um, the way you like as a player take care of your body, and you've got coaches, and then you talked about someone like Jordan Mills as well, um, the professionalism around the franchise and wanting to mm. feel valued because no doubt about it, if you're in a job playing for a team, um, whatever it is, if you feel valued and you feel part of something that's a bit bigger than yourself, then you're going to go and like dive all over the floor or mm. I don't know, maybe it's a job, you're going to work extra hours, you know, you're going to do go that extra mile because you feel like you're part of something which is not just bigger than yourself, but you actually mm. feel like people want to have you there. Um, yeah, for sure. And that, that's, that's really cool to hear. Mm. And especially like with the Saints too, obviously, such a big uh, history, like most titles in, in NZNBL history and stuff like that too. So you think about um, all the, the people that have worn the Saints jersey before you as well and you think, like, damn, like, um, you know, they, they've put their body and stuff on the line. So you have to do the same too. So, no, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's awesome, man. Um, so my next question is um, you're pretty – I'd say you're a pretty big mental health advocate in terms of the things that um, – that you know you, you put on your instagram but you're not just um paying lip service to it you know you're you're actively practicing this stuff in your in your life um mm. and i think that that recently in new zealand around sports probably in the last couple of years there's been a bit more of a movement in terms of um, people that play sport probably sharing a bit more about themselves personally but then also looking to uh, use better mental health practices to you know just as part of their of their routines you know and like mm. uh, see i'm a blazers guy and um cj mccullum had been on he'd been on a meditation buzz for quite a while and people yep. didn't really realize that um a lot of his success like here's a guy that was smaller than than the competition he was always skinny mm. like, he he was always up against it but he just had this mental um game where it gave him an advantage over you know over his peers what talk a bit about about how you've come to like invest in yourself in terms of your mental health, um, and how that's yeah, helped you in your daily life, and then also with your with your basketball. Mm. No, yeah, that, that's big. It's big time, honestly. Like, um, yeah, I love CJ McCollum too. I just listened to his podcast a few weeks ago on I think it was All the Smoke podcast. It was pretty cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, big time. Like I remember as a kid, my dad always used to tell me like. Um, sport is uh, 90% mental and 10% physical, you know, it's like a lot of it's to do with the mind or might have been 80% or whatever, like he used to say a lot of the, the game is um, about your mentality and your mind and stuff like that and 
I didn't so much, I, I, I thought I knew what it meant at the time. I thought it meant like, you know, having the motivation and the discipline and stuff like that. But uh, it's only as, really as I've grown older, I've, I've um, come to learn what he meant by that and, you know, taking care of your mind and the thoughts that you can have. And um, it, it really, that's why I tell people with my injury, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it back if I could because it's taught me lots of other valuable uh, lessons and learnings and stuff like that. Like there's so many things that I used to just um, overlook and, and not take too much care of my, my well-being and my mental health. But um, by being injured, I was forced to, I was forced to take care of my well-being. And it was, it was quite deep. Like um, I saw something about LaMarcus Aldridge at the moment. He's struggling because he's obviously just retired and he's struggling with life outside of basketball. And, Obviously, I'm not. I didn't retire, but I was injured and didn't play basketball for 18 months. Oh, sorry, it was 23 months actually. 23 months I waited to play another NBL game, so um, that took a big toll on my on my mind, and I was I, I was depressed and uh, anxious, and I was getting I was having suicidal thoughts, and there was Damn. times where I came close to thinking about actually, do I want to go through this rehab process or should I just you know end it here and stuff like that? So um, it was big time, but I've, I've started to. I done a workshop at the end of 2019. I was only about uh, two weeks out of two weeks out of surgery, and so I was still kind of limping around a little bit. And I done like a well-being uh, four-week res- resilience building workshop, and it was big time. It was called internal strength, and it's just obviously kind of self-explanatory, just kind of building your inner strength and your internal strength. And um, that was a big that was a big uh, change in my journey because I was still yet to like explore vulnerability. I was still um, yeah. You know, I, w- I was struggling internally, and as I said, like suicidal thoughts and stuff. But I never really told anyone. And then, but at this workshop, I was with people that were um, in a similar boat, and they were depressed and had had depression and stuff like that. So um, we talked about it openly. There was kind of like I tell people it was kind of like a, a group counselling session where um, being vulnerable was was encouraged and stuff like that. So I done that for four weeks, and then after that. Um, Labor weekend of 2019, I was asked to speak at an event, and that's the first time I ever said aloud that I um, had suicidal thoughts. Like I just kept that inside, and I stood up in front of the. Um, it was a reunion, a 40-year reunion. I told everyone there, you know, like um, they asked me to speak about my well-being and my journey um, through sport, and I talked about that openly for the first time. So that was pretty cool. And I just found the more that I talked about what's going on inside my head. Um, the more it kind of took a weight off my shoulders and, and like, I'd be lying, obviously, if I said I don't struggle anymore, cause I even still get day to day thoughts of like, like anxious thoughts. And, um, even within the team, like if something might happen and I'll, you know, I'll get, um, some thoughts and what's the month we're in June now, back in April, I started getting counseling. Actually, I started seeing a counselor in Wellington just to, um, talk about some things that were going on in life. So I went to, I went to two sessions, um, and after the second one she said you know when would you like to come back again and i thought actually i think i think i just needed a couple for now just to get some things off my chest like yeah. i can come back in the future if i ever if i ever need so i've got her email address and stuff like that but um that's why i always say that i also think like because it was a hundred dollars per session for that so i went for two hours for two hundred dollars and um i always think you know like it, it's it's crazy how to get help for your well-being and your mental health it, it costs here like um yeah yeah, it's crazy. It's it's some <laughs> some thoughts that I, I have a lot of the time, but yeah. um, but yeah, I've I've got I've started doing like monthly challenges to um like January I didn't have alcohol, 
um, February, I just um, read for half an hour a day. Like reading is good for my well-being. And then for yeah. June, uh, we're two days in so far. I've been meditating for 20 minutes a day. So I just try to do something every day and um, every month just to take care of my well-being and make sure, like my dad said, that I keep my mind sharp. So because the game is majority of it is mental and what goes on in your mind. So, yeah, yeah. been a bit of a journey, but still getting there. <laughs> that's awesome man and like honestly like much res- so much respect for you sharing like your battles i think mm. that um that even though we see more people sharing the struggles that they've had with mental health i still feel like there's a bit of a stigma i, I think for males as well sharing or opening up to people around around those struggles like there's a real yeah um there is still real struggles and you know and i mm. like like in the basketball community, not not people I've known well, but there's probably been a few, you know, suicides in in the last couple of years, and and you mm. you realize that um that there are people out there that hey look maybe it might look like their life is great or whatever, but you you never know what's what's mm. going on behind closed doors for someone. So like being able to open up and share that stuff, you actually help someone else because they're like oh mm. shit you know um this guy's going through that like maybe i just i can just flick him a message or um you know, i might go on a podcast and i might listen to something like you know that by, by yourself speaking out um it's like it does not only does it liberate you but it also helps mm. someone else and, and you, you give you give weight to people speaking out um and yeah i still to this day it, it, it saddens me that we have um mm. so much suicide amongst you know the young people in new zealand like it's mm. you know I, know I mean i've been through some some shit in my life and and um and there's so much more that i want to do to grow myself but by just having these conversations we're mm. actually bringing, we're bringing mental health not just in sport but in general everyday life we're bringing mental health to the fore um, yeah yeah especially around sport like talk a little bit about about it around sport because it's almost like you have to be tough, you know mm. what I mean? You gotta like yeah, big like granite and and mm. not give a fuck, you know what I mean? Like you talk about yeah. <laughs> For sure. But first, like what you said, um, it's kinda like with what I'm doing, um, I, I know I'm trying to like normalize it for others too. And so I know that as you said, it's it's liberating for me because honestly it feels like a big weight off my shoulders every time I, I speak up and um, you know, there my feelings and emotions out there. But I've had so many messages of people saying like you've given me um, hope to to speak up to and like I received a message a couple of weeks ago from a boy and I, I received a, a message a couple of weeks ago it was a, from a fake account on Instagram saying oh. bro no no one cares about your stuff and stuff like that but it was cool I honestly just yeah it was a bit of a giggle but um, straight up <laughs> straight after that I received a message from another boy saying um, bro like I've had suicidal thoughts and stuff and your content help, helps me out a lot like seeing you and your um, platform you can speak so openly about mental health um, you've helped me with mine so those messages always outweigh the any of the negatives and yeah. um, stuff like that but um, yeah big time especially yeah in sports like um, I had a, a teammate of mine when I was young when I used to play rugby I think when we were teenagers in 2014 he he took his life to suicide and um, I wasn't too close with him as we grew up but it's just another example of what you said like you never really know what people are going through and stuff like that so um 
obviously I'm not a perfect human, but that's why I try and make a conscious effort just to um, ask people how they are. And um, obviously I've messed up a lot too, but I try um, be a nice person and, and just, um, you know, just, just care for others because I know that it's so, um, with, with things you say and do these days or, or all the time, it's a lot of people um, are vulnerable and, and stuff like that. So yeah, in sport, I guess I'm not, I'm not too sure what to say about in sport. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's big time for athletes because I know people think like, especially with the, the tennis player, um, Naomi Osaka, I think her name is, um, like, you know, and, and actually I, so I look at it like this. So, uh, I'll use this example. Um, I think it's so awesome what Amelia Ann Ekinasio is doing, um, for the, the pulse and she's like a big time advocate for mental health and that's so awesome. And I think more people should be doing that and taking time off, um, taking time off sport to, to take care of their well-being and stuff like that. And people like Kyrie Irving, people always um, bash Kyrie Irving for taking time out to make sure he's in the right frame of mind. But that's crazy. Yeah, that's, I think people think with money and platform and um, teams people play for that you can't struggle. And DeMar DeRozan's another one he's talked about his mental health before. Like, it doesn't matter how many millions I've got and how many, what teams I play for. Like, it, it, mental health doesn't discriminate against anyone. So, um yeah, I think there definitely is that stigma in sport where people think just because you have a certain platform or certain figure in your bank account that you, you can't struggle. But um, yeah, as I said, it doesn't discriminate against anyone. Yeah, 100%. And yeah, I, I still find it crazy now that it's like you'll, you'll read someone will post about mental health and, uh, and I don't know, I should stop, bro. I should stop reading the comments. <laughs> Same here sometimes. Same sometimes. I suppose... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's human nature too. But when you scroll down and you see that someone said, "Oh, you know, you've got they've got twenty million on their bank account," like they <laughs> worries. The reality is, like, you only have to have watched, even watched the Last Dance, you know, the Michael Jordan doco mm. about what it was like in the nineties before we even had social media or internet on phones. Is that mm. these people, in a lot of ways, they maybe they don't have any financial troubles, but you know, they have they have pressures that that the regular people don't have, you know, in terms mm. of your enforcements and playing and that sort of stuff. But um, media access to players has probably never been, it's like it's, there's never been this fight around, you know, aggregators um, and viral highlights and interviews. And um, someone like Kyrie Irving gets bashed because he's he wants to take certain games off. But mm. the reality is, like, who... Who put in the rule that said that NBA players should have a media availability before and after the game and after every practice? Like these guys have got dozens and dozens, plus all the ones that they would have for, say, mm. um, Nike, the team sponsors, like and then their own personal sponsors. Like these have been rules that have been set up so so people could go and make more money, and and obviously mm. you get a great paycheck out of that. But if someone you know decides, hey, look, you know today. I don't want to be going and have someone ask me about a layup that I missed or mm. you know, why am I wearing, why have I got like this, um, you know, shooting sock on or whatever it is. This, the, mm. You could be asked stupid questions over and over again. Like people prioritizing their mental health when they're doing it at the top of their games, like you said, DeMar DeRozan, obviously Kevin Love, you've seen WNBA players do it as well. Mm. It's actually saying to, to, sports people at lower levels and then um you know people just 
regular people it's saying hey look it's all right you know it's mm. first like you talked about vulnerability earlier on it's all right to be vulnerable and and tell people that i'm not feeling okay you know like maybe i'm pissed off or um uh, you know I'm, I'm going through things in my personal life like these guys and and, and these women as well um they're liberating themselves and, and they're opening up these conversations um, mm. doing these things and and we don't we also don't understand the pressures of of high level sport even when we're talking about sport in new zealand you know you 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 get one you know a couple of games a week where you have to come out and you have to perform at your best for two mm. hours for those couple of hours a week like it's not it's mm. it's difficult and and people the the at the end of the day as much as we like to put athletes on a pedestal um they're just normal human beings you know like and so it's 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 awesome to see like this sort of stuff be normalized and mm. i even i think like the availability of podcasts and things like the players tribune mm. you, you're now seeing that there's a chance for people to talk more on on these type of issues and maybe there's too much in terms of um, Instagram highlights or Twitter highlights or whatever it is going around. Um, but the one positive of media is that we get to see people talking about real issues. You know, you're mm. talking about um, social issues in terms of like the racial violence in the States or whatever. That mm. There is a positive side to, to the media, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah 100%. Because obviously I'm quite big into social media and stuff like that too. And um, a lot of people say, you know, you should, oh, social media isn't good and stuff like that. But as you said, there's lots of positive aspects to it. And um, as you talked about the Players' Tribune, Players' Tribune, that was actually a big, uh, I remember I read an article, it was on Damian Lee. He's um, Steph Curry and Seth Curry's brother-in-law. He oh, plays Warriors. for the, yeah, plays for the Warriors now. And he um, he done his ACL twice. And, and that's a, this is just an example of how um, media has been a positive influence on me. I remember I read, I read his, um, I think it was like a letter to my younger self or something like that. Um, while I was going through my process and he talked about, you know, getting injured and you've got to go through the recovery process again. And then, um, finding the light at the end of the tunnel. Like, um, I think he signed like a 10 day to the Atlanta Hawks or something like that. And, um, he said, it just felt like a big, like sigh of relief after going through two ACR reconstructions. He broke his hand as well. Um, during that period of time. So like that, that's an example of how, um, media outlets and stuff and people like that using media as a positive influence so yeah i remember reading that story and and it giving me hope and stuff like that and um to 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 touch on what you were saying before that was going to be my exact answer too about the players are are just we're just human beings you know like uh, how people bash athletes for um wanting to take time off to take care of their well-being like at the end of the day they're only human beings and um, there's a good example i saw in the nrl a couple weeks ago one of the players had a had a bad game and um, all the media and stuff were, were bashing them and online and someone commented saying like let's let's imagine it was um, let's imagine you had a bad day at work and people came to your to your job and your say if you work in an office and came in your office and started bashing you and saying um, hurtful hurtful comments and stuff like that you know that's just the, the athlete's job to go out there and perform and sometimes we don't always get it right just like just like um, non-athletes don't always get it right in their respective jobs. So, um, yeah, they're just, we and they are just human beings at the end of the day. 100%, man, 100%. And, yeah, it's such a, it's such a big and interesting conversation because, like, I, 
you know, I see, you know, so many amazing like high school players and, and players um, from New Zealand um, that, you know, I can feel that I feel can like reach next level, be it scholarship, New Zealand, NBL, Australian, NBL, NBA, whatever it is. Mm. But it's that fine line between, yeah, we need to promote these kids better. You know, we need to do a better job filming them and getting photo content mm. out. But it's that balance at the other end of the day being like, um, you know, how, you know, how much access do we want to give um, and, mm. and, and that balance around social media. But in, in the right hands um, with how social media can be used, like the things that you're doing, you know, like um, I try and, you know, I try and have real conversations with people uh, on the podcast as well. You know, there's, mm. there are positive things that, that people can do um, mm. around media i think it's just a case of educating and um yeah trying to limit the old screen time um i'm not i'm terrible nah, yeah you're talk, <laughs> talking to the talking to the wrong guy for that one too bro <laughs> i'm crazy and honestly i have to i have to make lots of conscious efforts throughout the day to like um yeah i used to set this little goal in the mornings like try um not go on my phone till 8 a.m and i don't do it at the moment like sometimes i wake up and i'm on my phone straight away like yeah it's crazy it's um it feels like a bit of an addiction sometimes if i'm being honest yeah yeah i mean like i haven't i haven't watched the doco yet it's uh i think it's called about social media um um it's called so, it's the social dilemma i think that's it yeah that's i haven't it. seen it i haven't seen it either but i know i know what it's called yeah i know if i watch it that's gonna be like <laughs> at the end it'll be someone pointing the finger at me um but it's it's because of the way that um that Facebook, hmm. Twitter, Instagram, the way that they're set up is, um, you know, obviously triggers um, mental things in the brain, hmm. triggers things in the brain, which, um, you know, make you feel good when it's likes or shares or, or whatever it is. But yeah. Or a dopamine hit. That's it, man. Get that dopamine hit. You know, it's just, yeah. it's just like, and I think this is, is probably the harder part is that the, um, the, the way that the world that we live in now, it's like you can't, you can't not have that phone or, you know, mm. you need to have your computer or like TV or whatever it is. Mm. Um, but all you can do is try and be conscious of it and, um, and yeah, try and put in, try and put in good habits. Um, that probably leads, that leads to the next question. If like for younger kids or even maybe it's like parents listening in, what are some things you do uh, in your daily life that, that could help someone who was an athlete, be it like a, a physical habit or something that you do around your mental health? What are some things that people could do in their daily life that could that could help them? Hmm. Uh, that's a really good question, actually. Um, I'll start with what I talked about before. I try and meditate every single day, like yeah. um, as you said with CJ McCollum too. It's just a it's it's a good uh, little escape and, and just to quiet in your mind, as you said with social media and just general life. Like uh, we're always our minds always racing. We're always on the go. We're always busy doing things. So. Uh, meditation for me, I, I always try to do it in the morning and at night. Yeah. But like, don't get me wrong, I don't do it every day. Sometimes I might not even do it for a week or something like that. But when I do it, I always feel, um, I feel like it just helps to quiet in my mind. And similar to that too, something I try to do every single day and like it kind of mucks me up if I miss it is I, I always try and have some time every day to myself. And not everyone really understands that. Like people, um, I like to think of myself as quite independent. You know, I don't... Um, I'm not dependent on anyone else to make me happy. Like I know I'm responsible for my own happiness and stuff like that. So yeah. um, yesterday I put on my social media, I just went for, I took myself on a bush walk 
Um, I went to yeah, went to a waterfall. Like you know, yeah. sometimes I might go sit down the beach and read my book, and um, and I, I know it's I know it's hard for people, but I think once you get comfortable um, and, and get to that level of self love where you really like um, you really love your own company and you can sit with yourself and your own thoughts and be safe and feel safe, um, it's 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 a really um, empowering experience. Like honestly, I sometimes. Sometimes it just gets too full on for me to be around people, and I just need a, I just need a break. So, yeah, um, yeah, that's a lot of the stuff I do uh, mentally. Yeah. I don't want to be. Uh, I, I don't know if I can talk about like nutrition because, man, I'm, I've got the biggest sweet tooth. Like, it probably eat chocolate every every day or every other day. But um, some of the changes I've, I've I've made is I try only drink alkaline water. Like I don't drink any tap water. This is just for any athletes and parents awesome. of athletes that may help and um during, actually during my recovery process for my knee the first seven months of of rehab i was um plant-based vegan like strict didn't oh not too strict. i still had some like sweets that were vegan like chocolate and dark chocolate and stuff like that but i didn't have any cheat meals and just trying to make sure i fueled my body right and i was smashing all my rehab so i guess it could have had some con- contribution but um just as an athlete that's and it's definitely something I've learned over the years is like you only you really only have one body so you have to take a take care of it and I couldn't even touch my toes until my last year of high school like like my flexibility was terrible and um one of my teammates Romario Gill he was saying to me the other day it's actually kind of one of the best compliments I've ever received he was like man how do you get yeah big fella seven two he was saying like he's like man Marnie how do you get in some of those positions like with the stretches and stuff and I was like oh man Five years ago, no one would have, no one would have asked me how I get in awesome. into those stretching positions because like my flexible my flexibility was terrible. So yeah, it's still obviously not um, where it, it could be, but um, yeah, just to any athletes and parents of athletes, just to take care of your your mind, body, and your spirit, and um, yeah. find what works for you. Like I enjoy reading books, but that's not everyone's cup of tea. I enjoy yeah. meditation; not everyone enjoys it. But the big one for me is just to um, to get to the level of self-love where you can spend some time by yourself every day. Mm. Oh man, you just dropped, you dropped some times there, my man. <laughs> um, that like, what I, do. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> the, I think the one talking about being comfortable over yourself, uh, is important. Um, yeah, it's definitely something I don't, I don't do enough of, but even if it's like, look, maybe the, maybe the gym is your time where, at the end of your workout, you know, you go and walk on a treadmill and, um, you know, listen to something inspiring or listen mm. to a podcast. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to go and do something specific because that's what you see. As you said, it's just doing what, what is your thing that makes you, mm. that makes you feel better, you know, and it's, and it's doing that it could be going for a walk. Um, mm. maybe you love cooking, you know, so yeah, you could jump in the, in the kitchen and just do something on your own, but, um, mm. having that, that time out it's actually good to decompress um because if you're if you're quiet then that's when you can like deal with mm. what thoughts that are there or, or things could come up or or may mm. i don't know maybe it can give you some ideas for your job or whatever it is like that time on your own is so is so key and so important to um mm. to process and um and yeah to to work through things um definitely and I, I think like just on that too I, I come up with some of my best ideas when i'm on like bushwalks and stuff like that you know like i'll write them down on my notes on my phone like okay i can do this when i get home and stuff like that or 
um, it, it just really allows you to be free and like your thoughts and your imagination, your creativity to flow. And yeah, as you said, like it's kind of just finding what works for you. Like last week, I um, last Tuesday, I took myself out for lunch and, you know, just enjoyed my own company. And then afterwards, I went and looked at an art gallery hey. and um, I put some photos on my Instagram and yep. a friend of mine was like, oh, because I said oh, I was at the, I went to the art gallery, but just by myself. And then they were like, oh, who took the photos then? And I was like, oh, I just set my camera up in the corner, you know, took some photos of myself. Like, I just, <laughs> I really enjoy my own company. Like, yeah. um, there used to be times where I'd rely on others and stuff like that, be dependent on others to make me happy. But I, I like, I love my own company. I could take myself out for lunch. Like, I try to do that um, at least once a week or something like that. Well, not necessarily lunch, but um, yeah. yeah, when I looked at an art gallery and, and just stuff like that, it's kind of just find what works for you and just yeah. um, helps to keep your mind at ease. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Mm. Yeah, and like, and no one else, like, no one else can tell you what your, what your interests are. You know, like, if you have mm. something you're passionate about, is like, um, yeah, go and do that, and um, and yeah, make make the most of the, um, you know, the the freedom and the, um, you know, the beautiful place that is New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm a I'm a sucker for, I'm a sucker for nature, and so we obviously got a lot of it, a lot of nice natural features around here too so um no yeah it's cool it's really cool and just on that too like when i was talking about meditation like and practicing mindfulness i watched this video with um angelina jolie and she was talking about um one of the ways she practices mindfulness which is like present moment awareness is just doing like coloring in books with her kids you know so it doesn't have to be sitting in in zen and um you know lighting incense like i do (laughs) you can just (laughs) you know like uh, yep. reading a book playing an instrument doing coloring in books like just anything that keeps you present it helps a lot with my mind mm. yeah yeah that's good man Jeez, you yeah i i really appreciate um yeah you opening up and, and chatting a bit more about this stuff i think um i know there's there's some other ballers out there that um that are on you know that level as well in terms of like taking care of their body and and um but the, i feel like there's not as many that are willing to to talk on it like you do so i really mm. really respect that and really appreciate um you opening up and um yeah talking a bit more about your journey mm. no i appreciate that bro and yeah i always say to myself if my journey or my story can help just at least one person then it was it's worth telling i guess yeah yeah 100 man we're gonna mm. um we're gonna close this one out now um Bless. but you'll you'll always be a friend of the pod um appreciate <laughs> that bro yeah. hopefully um yeah like i'd like to to get get guests on multiple times and and continue mm. to talk about um yeah like real things but then also just yeah just talk about hoops and um you know why we love this game so much and and um yeah keep that that content chugging along good um good luck for the rest of the the season it's been really cool to see after not seeing a saints team in the competition last year it's been cool to mm. see you guys come together but also have lots of new young faces in there, even if it's just, you know, the guys like Ahmed and, and Sam Golden, mm. some of like Dallas, some of the other ones who aren't in the, uh, yep. in the, in the playing squad. It's been mm. cool to see Wellington represented so heavily with those young guys behind the bench, you know? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Like, um, it's really cool to play alongside and with, um, lots of Wellingtonians and some of the dudes that I used to battle with in high school and stuff like that. We're in the same team now. And so, um, I think, apart from the imports, it's only Tuhi and Kale that didn't go to high school in Wellington. So um, that's pretty cool that we have lots of local talent and it's a good sign for Wellington too. 
yeah definitely definitely like that's that's been it's been really awesome to see um so yeah good luck for the for the rest of the season my man um stay safe and and we'll catch up again soon thanks brother steve i appreciate you having me on bro and i uh, love all the work that you're doing too appreciate you man thanks brother